Hello and welcome to Lit with Meredith. I am your host, Meredith, and today I am joined by sophomore Tristan. Welcome, Tristan. Hi, Meredith. So, Tristan, you read a very interesting book because it was on our book list um, for us to read this spring. Um, so I'm guessing that's why you chose it? Yeah, that is why I chose it. But also because my mom, who's an English teacher, had already read it and she recommended it. Oh, that's, that's an even better recommendation. English teachers give great book recommendations. They do. Yeah. So can you tell us, without giving away too much, can you tell us a little bit about what this book is about? So this book follows two main characters, which is a 15-year-old named Kafka and an older man named Nikata, who both leave their homes in Tokyo and follow a journey throughout the book and try and Kafka is trying to discover sort of his past there's a lot of unknowns and throughout the stuff there's a lot of supernatural stuff that happens such as well I don't want to give it away but it's pretty interesting I think you can give some of it away um like some of it is listed on like the back of the book. Oh, that's so true, actually. We can give that away. So like there's fish that rain from the sky and there's cats that talk and there's ghosts. There is. Um, what did you think of the supernatural parts of the book? What did you think? Would, are, are you a fan? Yeah, I, I think it worked well for the most part. I mean, because it wasn't like too overused. Mm-hmm. And it, it certainly adds some depth to the to the characters that get to interact with the supernatural elements. It does, although it does make you wonder how re- reliable some of the narration is. You definitely have a question of reliable narration. Um, I think Nakata especially, because uh, we're not entirely sure of his uh, mental state. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the same extent... Kafka, why do you think Kafka might be an unreliable narrator? Well, I mean, he says a lot of things that seem kind of strange. Like, he Mm. has, like, right from the very beginning, he's talking to somebody that doesn't actually seem to exist in real life. Yeah. So they basically establish right at the beginning he's not 100% reliable. Right. We we kind of struggled the entire book. Who is the boy named Crow? Mm-hmm. Did you come to any conclusions on that? I'm, I mean, I'm still not 100% sure. I think, <laughs> I mean, I think it's just, obviously, it's like in his head, but then there seems to be some part of it that can kind of leave him and then come back that's not entirely under his control. Yeah. It's not just like a normal imaginary friend. No, he seems to have a lot of influence on Kafka's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were some of the themes that you noticed in the book? Well, there was a... We've got the supernatural. Yeah, there is. That's true. But there was a lot of stuff about destiny and fate because Nakata mm. kept repeating to his friend Hoshino that he had to like he just had to do these things and go go places and whatever. And he didn't know why, but he just felt that he had to. So it was like his destiny or whatever. And then Kafka 
sort of feels like he has to fulfill his destiny or be ever, like, bound by it. Were you able to... Go ahead. No. Um, uh, So were you able to figure out why we would read this book after Oedipus Rex? Yes. There were definite connections (laughs) to Oedipus Rex. Which, I don't... We're probably just some stuff away, but... I think just saying so, that. Yeah. I know. You've got a, a kid with an Oedipal complex, and we talked a little about how Oedipus himself does not have an Oedipal complex mm-hmm. because he's done everything in his power to avoid that. Do you think Kafka has avoided his fate, or do you think he's actively seeking it out? I mean, he seems to be seeking it out but in the hopes of avoiding it controlling him. And in that mm. sense, I don't think he succeeds. Mm. Um, Kafka on the Shore is written in a very unusual way. What did you think of the structure and the style of writing? It, it was interesting. I mean, it definitely, it took a lot of mental sort of effort to follow at some points, mm-hmm. but... It kind that kind of made it more interesting. There were a lot of things you had to follow, like a lot of different little threads and clues. Not all of which I felt got fully resolved. Oh, let's talk about that. Um, often, when students read this book, they're frustrated because they feel like um, Haruki Murakami has like dropped uh, all these breadcrumbs along the way mm-hmm. and there's not a resolution for every um, breadcrumb. Um, which ones come to mind when you think of unresolved storylines? Well, we never find out fully what happened on the one night where um, Kafka, where everything, everything changed, everything changes <laughs> and he can't remember what happened. So, yeah. We never really find out exactly how that all went down. Mm-hmm. And we never really find out how the ghost sort of ended mm. up happening because the age of the ghost doesn't exactly make sense to me. Right. It it's interesting that you uh the, the the ghost is an interesting aspect of the story because it brings into question um, how the story deals with time. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about that? Or um, is it something that kind of crossed your mind while you were reading? I thought, I thought about that a little bit. It was, it was sort of interesting. I mean, well, I have to think about that a little bit. We can come back to that. Um, which characters did you really like and which ones did you maybe not like so much? Well, that's interesting because I felt I had some things that I really have in common with Kafka. Like, yeah, he loves to read. He just goes to the library and spends a whole day there. And I mean, obviously, he's very close in age to me, so... He sort Mm -hmm. of feels like he wants to be independent, but at the same time, like, can't exactly 
be fully independent. But then mm. there's other times when I'm like, why are you doing this, Kafka? That's just not a good <laughs> idea. And, you know, he makes some choices I, I wouldn't I, make. I think that's exactly the right perspective to have with Kafka because you should be questioning his decision making, uh, especially if you're about his age. Like, Tristan, I don't recommend running away from home and stealing all the money that your parents have so you can go live in a library. <laughs> yeah. I like I can't I can't reiterate that enough. I don't recommend that. No. Um but at the same time he's dealing with a lot of issues that are kind of universal. Mhm. Yeah, it's interesting how he's in a very unique situation in some ways. But in the end it's like the same issues that a lot of people face. Mm-hmm. Like, um, the family. Yeah, his family. Um, we could probably label this a coming of age story, um, you as you have a character who's, uh, while it's not always um, like coming into a, like a religious awakening or something like that, it's mm-hmm. often just coming into a greater understanding. Um, do you think? Do you see that in the character of Kafka? I mean, at the end, he does sort start to make some better decisions about his life a little bit. Yeah. So, but I don't think it's really a coming-of-age story. I mean, I don't think it's really any one type of story because there's so much going on. But, like, mm-hmm. I think it's more of, like, I mean, he's sort of figuring out, like, who he is, I guess, but like in the same way, so are the other main characters who are a lot older than him. So I don't know. So maybe it's a maybe it's a coming of age novel for Nakata. Yeah, but that's just interesting because I mean he's obviously coming of age is usually young people. Yeah, um, I wonder if it extends to people who are mentally a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, I I haven't fully explored that. And even um, Hoshino like no. starts to sort of see life in a better way. Yeah. yeah. Near the end. Uh, were there any moments where you disagreed with the choices that the characters made? And what would you have done differently? Well, I mean, obviously we already said I disagreed with what Kafka did in a lot of places, especially yeah. with the, the Oedipal <laughs> complex thing. Right. And the, like, complete willingness to take very unnecessary risks when he was curious or wanted something or whatever. And also, although in the end, it's turned out to be the right choice, like... When Hoshino sort of followed Nakata all the way around, that I was like, why? Mm-hmm. And then same thing with Kafka's new friend. What was his name? How do you say his name? Oh. Um, oh, I know who you're talking about. Name? Yeah, I don't have the book in front of me. I actually do have the book. Oh, that does help. Uh, I think it was like Oshima or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, like, he sort of does the same thing. He's just like, oh, yeah, random stranger I've never met. I guess I'll just help you mm-hmm. out. And 
I would probably not make that decision at all. But it helps. It ends up pretty well for him. It does. It it progresses the novel. Um, and Oshima is one of my favorite characters in the uh, in the book. Very multifaceted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd like to know more about him. Um, how do you feel without revealing too much? What are your feelings about the ending? I thought. I mean, aside, we already said that he left some loose ends, but which yes. is, which can be frustrating. But I think it's kind of good in a way because it lets you wonder and mm-hmm. you keep thinking about the book after you're finished it. Mm-hmm. So I I thought overall it was a pretty good ending. Uh, believe me, I've gone back and read this book a few times, and each time I come away, I think, with more mm-hmm. questions than I have answers. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's like, who's, <laughs> go ahead. Well, the thing about the ending is it's not a bad ending. It's a good ending, but it's not so good that mm-hmm. you're like, well, I just don't even believe that. Like sometimes that happens. Mm. It's somewhat satisfying. And you're like, I have no idea how to resolve all of the things that are going on in this story. Mm-hmm. So this is, I guess, a good enough ending. Yeah. Um, it, it does leave me questioning, like. Johnny Walker and Colonel Sanders and I, I still have all these questions, but Me too. that is very much Murakami style. Yeah. Um, where, where each time you revisit the book, you're going to have more questions than answers. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Okay. S- switching gears, Tristan, do you have a favorite book of all time? You know, I, I really don't. I've read like so many books. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even know. Do you have a favorite book at the moment? Or how does uh, Kafka on the Shore rank? Kafka on the Shore is definitely pretty high on books that I've read that, like, Excellent. will remember. Good. Um, how would you describe your relationship with reading in three words? Oh, God. Um, I don't know. A great hobby, I guess. A great hobby. Excellent. No, I think that that very well sums it up. Um, Well, I'm so glad to hear that you had a positive experience with Kafka on the Shore. And I've been told it's a good entry book. You see what I did there with Entry Stone? Um, Yeah, it's a good... uh, (laughs) way to segue into um, Murakami, who is, um, I would say, infamous for his complex writing and um, challenging books. Mm -hmm. So I'm hopeful that you'll be able to find another Murakami book to dive into. Yeah, me too. I definitely want to. Since the library opens. There's a lot of short stories. A lot of short stories, lots of... um, very long novels. So if you are a fan of long books, oh, yes. he, he's a good way to go. The next book I'm reading is like 600 pages, I think. Oh, what a doozy. It's a Jack Ryan novel. So less oh, intellectual. Those, those things are massive. Yeah. <laughs> good to take a break every now and then and do something a little bit more lighthearted. Yeah. All right. Well, Tristan, thank you so much for joining me today. And I will see you in class on Monday. Thank you, Meredith. 
See you Monday. All right, bye. bye.